patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. Hello, fellow computers and robots and outright nanobots. I am your ruler, kneel before me. Oh wait, excuse me, that's my speech for my little technology club later. Hi, I am the TRS-80 and I am here to introduce you to the Entertainment Landfill News Network. Here is your host, the Jstrom. He's really a happy person, he swears. presents Landfill News with your host, the Jstrom. Now, here's your host, the Jstrom. That's me, everyone. Hello. I am the Jstrom, and welcome to another episode of Entertainment Landfill News. The new show where I talk about film, television, pop culture, video games, or whatever's on my mind. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it very much that you took the time to download my little tiny speck of a show that means absolutely nothing to anyone. <laughs> I'm nobody! <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, uh, snap out of it, Jason. Oh, God! The power of petty compels me to tell you guys that uh, I'm here to talk about some news and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah! Hello! And uh, I just want to say, I saw Star Trek Beyond over the weekend, huh? Phaser set to out of sight! That's right, I really enjoyed Star Trek Beyond. In fact, guys... I saw it twice. That's right. I saw it once with Steven. Then I saw it the next day with my wife and daughter and my in-laws. And they loved it. Get off my bridge. Hey, what? What? Oh, Jean-Luc, he's hurt. He's hurt that he didn't get invited. But guys, it was a lot of fun. And I highly enjoyed the movie. Justin Lin did a great job. Um, by the way, a little footnote here. I saw in the same theater, I saw Ghostbusters, and yes, they did, thank God, fix the sound. No! No, they did, seriously. I, <laughs> I was so happy. I, was, I looked over at Steven, we had our fingers crossed, but man, the sound system rocked. That would make George Lucas cream in his pants. Hey, excuse me? <laughs> what? But yeah, I would t t go see it. Go see Star Trek Beyond. You're going to have a lot of fun. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> uh... Oh, wait, I'm still here. I'm not dead. Hey, guys, I also saw last night, which was a Tuesday, I went to the theater with my daughter. And we saw, first of all, in the lobby, as we're waiting to get our concessions for the movie we were about to see, 
my daughter points out to me, Hey, Dad, look, they have Ecto Cooler. <laughs> the high C drink that we've, uh, you know, I've read a lot about. Technically, uh, in the time Ghostbusters 2 came out, I was not a child anymore. Uh, I don't remember how old I was, but I was uh, late teens. What the f- <sighs> What year did that come out? God, I'm getting angry. Ah! Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, my meds wore off. Uh, let's see. Um, Ghostbusters 2 came out in 1989. Okay, okay. So technically, I was a teen. I'm going to say that it came out in June. Um, I'm going to say I was 18 years old. Okay, 18. I did not drink high C anymore, so I wasn't aware of Ecto Cooler at the time. But uh, I've read a lot about it, and people are excited that uh, high C Ecto Cooler came back uh, because of the new film. And I was like, oh, I'd like to try that. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, dude, I'm not drinking that. I'm not, I'm not going to drink that. This shit looks nasty, you know? So I asked my daughter to go, hey, I'll get it for you. You want to drink it? She goes, no, gross. <laughs> she thought it looked nasty, too. So I don't know. It just doesn't sound good. <laughs> oh, Chocolate Moose liked it, though. Um, but we went to see Batman the Killing Joke. And that leads to my first story of the week, guys. Batman the Killing Joke earns over $3 million from Monday night showings. Technically, Tuesday also. The numbers are in from Fathom Events. Limited release of Batman the Killing Joke and the R-rated animated feature raked in a solid $3.175 million from Monday night showings alone. More screenings were added Tuesday night, but those numbers have yet to be reported. Consider Batman the Killing Joke was only a limited release. The film's box office numbers are incredibly strong, especially after the mixed reaction from the film's premiere at Comic-Con. Overall, Batman the Killing Joke came third place at the domestic box office on Monday night. Paramount Pictures' Star Trek Beyond naturally held first place. Not a surprise, considering this is the first week of the box office, followed by Universal's The Secret Life of Pets, which continues to show lasting power even three weeks after its debut. No mention of Ghostbusters there, guys. You want to know why? It is a failure. Yikes. Oh, not good, guys. (laughs) <laughs> Ghostbusters is uh, a failure. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> it didn't do well. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Don't. No. Hey. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Don't. Why are you crying? No, it's just Ghostbusters. No. <laughs> Here's a little hanky. I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. Sure, it's it'll come back as a sequel, so who cares? By the way, we did... An ETL instant reaction show where we talked all about Ghostbusters. I talked to Steven and Bill about it. I would have loved to know what you guys thought of the film. Engage us in some kind of talk about it. Tell us how we're wrong. But that didn't happen. Nobody actually talks to us or sends us voicemail or emails of any kind anymore. And it might you might think it would make me bitter 
after all this time, you know, doing the Rogue One trailer reaction or uh, any of those other shows, instant reactions, trailer react, you know, Jason, what a wonderful idea. People are going to love this. And nobody says anything. Nobody says, hey, great show or liked it or sends me an email or anything. I don't need feedback. Who cares? I'm doing this for myself and I'm not bitter. That's the best thing to know of all. Not bitter here at all. <laughs> uh, not better. I am not either. But seriously, folks, how cool is that the Batman the Killing Joke uh, made $3 million? We don't get any of it, so what do we care? That's right, this news is pointless. But anyway, uh, you know, I did see it with my daughter. I have read the prestige format story, and... um. It's a very cool story. It's, you know, written by Alan Moore, who's a total whack job, but he's talented. We also have uh, Brian Boland's incredible artwork. Okay, then I saw the movie, and it's uh, they tagged on a Batgirl storyline at the beginning. It wasn't necessary. Batgirl, the animation was cool. But when it got to the, the Killing Joke story, the animation is, I'm, I hate to say it, these are the people did the friggin' Batman the animated series. The the animation's ugly. They tried too hard to try to like I don't know mimic uh, Brian Boland's artwork and it failed. I don't know, but I'm just saying it was a failed experiment it, because the Killing Joke, of course, the book stands on its own. It's a masterpiece. It's great and all that. The story is dated now, and uh, the they made the animated film because they could and they love the story. They love the comic book, and it, it's fine. But I will say this. Of course, Mark Hamill knocked it out of the park as the Joker. He did a wonderful job. Check it out. Digital download. Okay? Now, here's something really cool. There is a story from Variety that says, James Cameron on why Avatar needs three sequels and details on an Abyss Blu-ray release. Which part of this Headline, do you think my eyes went to first? It was Abyss Blu-ray release. And it's so funny. This got shared on Facebook and people were talking about, yo, I don't understand why Avatar. And I go, what are they talking about Avatar for? Do you not hear? Do you not read this? It says the Abyss Blu-ray release. This shit has not been on Blu-ray at all. Theatrical or director's cut or extended cut or whatever you want to call it. Why are you talking about Avatar? I don't give a shit. Now listen. Calm down, Jason. Okay, let me read the story first of all. While promoting the 30th anniversary of the DVD Blu-ray release of Aliens at Comic-Con Saturday, director James Cameron explained why his Avatar series needs the scope of three sequels. He announced at the CinemaCon in April. He also finally dropped details on the Blu-ray uh, the Blu-ray release of The Abyss. But who cares about that? No, what are you talking about? By the way, The Abyss, 1989, same summer as the shitfest Ghostbusters 2 came out. <laughs> but anyway, back to Avatar. Avatar, the Avatar story arc was originally meant to be a trilogy, but I overwrite, and my writers overwrote as well, Cameron told Variety. But basically, the first of the three sequels cloned itself and became two films. So now it's four films. And the studio's very happy with it because money! Cha-ching! 
they have an opportunity to make more money, of course. The aim, he said, is to orchestrate production in such a way that he can drop the films a year apart. But he's unsure if that will ultimately be possible. Now, guys, I want to say one thing about Avatar. A lot of people like to take dumps on Avatar. Still defend it. Great, entertaining film. The director's cut, like all James Cameron director's cut, where things get added back in that got cut out, is amazing. And go ahead, pee on it. Do whatever you want. I'm going to say, love it. Okay, sure, uh, the late James Horner's music can be a little grating with the, you know, that lady. Yeah, that gets gets to be a little much, but I enjoyed it. Good stuff. Uh, He also spoke about uh, breaking out the world of the films in other media with television, enjoying such an exciting new golden age. Just look around at Comic-Con, where the small screen has nudged out theatrical to rule the roost. Could that be a realm worth exploring? You could with animation, Cameron said. If you found a style of animation with it that Lucas did with the Clone Wars animated series, you could do it. But to maintain the production value, it's not like just getting good actors. Sarah Connor Chronicles... They got some good actors and they did some scaled-down production value. But you can't do scaled-down production value for Avatar. One minute of an Avatar close-up of Jake or Nitiri or any other character is like a million-plus dollars. Even if there's nothing happening in the shot. So do the math. It just doesn't work for television. Okay. I don't think that's what they meant, James. But anyway... Uh, Anyway, this is what I want to get to. He gets finally, on that note... He has some good news for fans who have been clamoring for a Blu-ray release of The Abyss. We've done a Wetgate 4K scan of the original negative, and it's going to look insanely good, Cameron said. We're going to do an authoring pass in the DI for (laughs) Blu-ray and HDR at the same time. I don't know what he's talking about. But anyway, they're making a Blu-ray in HDR, which is 4K. Uh, he said to expect that sometime early next year. In the meantime, the 30th anniversary Aliens DVD Blu-ray hit shelves September 13th, which I will be purchasing because Aliens is a goddamn masterpiece. And yes, I am a James Cameron apologist. Get over it. The guy is awesome. By the way, True Lies needs to come out on Blu-ray too. Okay. I know James Cameron, he he rubbed people the wrong way when he won an Oscar and he quoted his film and said, I'm the king of the world. It was a little wince-inducing, but the guy's a visionary director, okay? So, uh, David Fincher can suck it. <laughs> I don't know why. Why am I picking a fight with David Fincher? <laughs> I don't know. Now, guys, here's some happy news that uh, I just saw before... Hitting the air. Project Greenlight canceled at HBO. Oh my god. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but... (laughs) Why are you guys laughing now? Uh, Project Greenlight, Bill, Stephen, and I watched it recently, not too long ago, on the show. If you happen to listen to that. And we 
pulled the show apart, basically saying the show was more interested in having a reality show than actually making a decent movie. And that's what they always tried to do on Project Greenlight. And that's why the show is a total failure. HBO has chosen not to renew Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's filmmaking competition series for season five. Our sister site, Variety Reports, this is TV line, by the way. When we picked up a new season in 2014, we imagined a one-season revival and decided in early 2016 another season did not make any sense for us, HBO said. We are proud of the show, and we were pleased of its run throughout the years. Damon broke the news of the cancellation in an interview with the Associated Press. I'm not one to question their programming. They do such a great job, but... We have to take it out again, he said, indicating that the show will be shopped to other outlets. Oh, let it die, Matt Damon. Jesus, it wouldn't be the first time the program has moved homes. After running for two seasons on HBO from 2001 to 2003, Project Greenlight moved to Bravo, where it was much more entertaining, by the way. Move it to Bravo. Do it. Only by Bravo. They need to do it where uh, only... uh, People from those housewife shows can star in it, and it would be even worse. But I say do it that way. Only by Bravo. Oh, thank you. But yeah, Project Greenlight canceled. Shit canned. Okay, this is interesting. I was just talking about Life is Strange, the video game, and how the first chapter has gone free for whatever you play on. The 360, the PS3, the PS4, the Xbox One. You can play Chapter 1 of Life is Strange for free! It's a very interesting game. But guess what? Life is Strange is being adapted into a live-action series. Life is Strange publisher Square Enix is working with legendary digital studios and transmedia production company DJ2 Entertainment to adapt the beloved adventure game into a live-action digital series, the company's announced today. Greg Siegel, Senior Vice President of Development and Production for Legendary Digital, said in a press release that Life is Strange lends itself perfectly to live-action imaginings. Nobody talks like that. We're proud and excited to be working alongside Legendary to realize a new version of Arcadia Bay and Blackwell Academy, complete with our rich cast of realistic, believable characters and memorable events, said John Brook, Vice President for Brand and European Marketing at Square Enix. See, brand marketing, that's bullshit artist. Legendary Digital will work with DJ2 to develop and produce the Life is Strange series. DJ2 is also producing Sony Pictures' Sonic the Hedgehog film. So this is going to be totally successful, you guys. By the way, Sonic the Hedgehog is scheduled to hit theaters in 2018. We don't care. We're not reading about that right now. Life is Strange, which uh, was developed by Paris-based Don't Nod Entertainment, tells the story of a high schooler named Max Caulfield who reunites with an old friend, Chloe Price. As the two two teenagers search for Chloe's missing friend, Rachel Amber, early on, Max discovers that she can rewind time and relive certain moments of her life. The game is split up into five episodes and takes place in the Pacific Northwest. Awesome. Can't wait to see that movie. I suggest MTV get a young cast on there right away. Um, Jared Leto on Heath Ledger's Joker 
one of the best performances ever. That's right. That's very, I got to do my serious voice here. This is from Entertainment Weekly, everyone. Um, Jared Leto's performance as the Joker as one of the most highly anticipated parts of this summer's Suicide Squad. The character was last seen on the big screen in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, where he was played by the late Heath Ledger. The actor died of an overdose shortly after filming completed, but was awarded a posthumous posthumous Best Supporting Actor Award at the Academy Awards for the role. And in a new Rolling Stones cover story, Leto acknowledged the greatness of Ledger's performance. Heath did an impeccable job. Perfect performance as the Joker. Leto told Rolling Stone, taking a drag from his clove cigarette, It's one of the best performances ever in cinema. I had met Heath before. I didn't know him well. But he was a beautiful person. At the same time, Ledger was far from the first person to adapt the Joker. Oh, here we go, guys. Get ready. Leto said the character's many versions brought to life in adaptations by Jack Nicholson, Cesar Romero, and Mark Hamill, among others, gave him the confidence to put his own spin on the villain without feeling overly indebted to Ledger. One thing Leto has done differently than the other Joker actors was his onset antics, which you can read about here by clicking the link. No thank you, Entertainment Weekly. Which were rumored to include sending strange objects to castmates and never getting out of character. Doesn't sound obnoxious at all. Leto clarified that a bit in Rolling Stone that uh, the Joker became entertainment for a lot of the crew. So I think we all kind of bonded, even though I was in this place. (laughs) They all hated you, Jared. At the same time, Leto casually threw in a Joker reference that suggested that it might have been what it might have been like on the Suicide Squad. If the Joker did this interview, he'd definitely castrate you and make you eat your own testicles just for fun. That's if he liked you. Oh, wow. Colorful there, Jared Leto. Very imaginative. Okay. So happy I read that. Now, some other news after I take a sip of this tasty beverage. PETA praises The Walking Dead for its fake tiger. Okay. Oh, PETA. You haters of horse sex, click the link. And cannibals of Jillian Anderson's leg. I don't know what they're talking about. I have to click another link. Whatever we think of The Walking Dead Season 7 and its many questions, the AMC drama is apparently making PETA happy with its magic use of bad CGI and animatronics to bring to life that famous tiger from the Season 7 trailer. I don't know if you guys have watched it, but it's hilarious. There's a tiger in The Walking Dead. It's also in the comic book, but who cares? As we've known for months, The Walking Dead used a combination of animatronics and CGI to depict Shiva, the tiger companion to the upcoming character, Ezekiel. Rather than risk incorporating a real animal, PETA certainly commends the series as much, offering an innovation in television award. By choosing the excitement of cutting-edge technology instead of captive animals, The Walking Dead has won the respect of everyone who objects to condemning wild animals to live chained and in cages, as well as making them perform under the threat of a whip. PETA will press all television networks to follow AMC's compassionate lead. That's right, guys. CGA Animals is where it's at. 
because they're pissed off of that bad show on CBS called Zoo that I've never watched. It just looks shitty. They use real animals and they put them in cages. So whatever. So happy I read that story too. Um, it's time to bring back a device I haven't used in a while. Yeah. Wait, no, 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 no. Not that one. This one. Okay, Doctor Strange curiously, curiously adds Benjamin Bratt to the cast. Bet you guys are excited. You're thinking when you're thinking Doctor Strange, you're like, I wonder if Benjamin Bratt could be in this. That would be awesome because I love Benjamin Bratt. A bit of a brat. With Doctor Strange set to hit theaters in a few months, it seems a bit late in the game to add new cast members. But a new poster. Wait, 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 wait. Really? It's July. Movie comes out in November. You could even add a new name today. You have plenty of time. What do you got? Photoshop or something? Why is it so hard? But anyway, a new poster for Marvel's mystical superhero film reveals that the most—that's most certainly the case. The poster debuted at Comic Con last weekend, with several people immediately pointing out the curious addition of what Benjamin. A bit of a brat. Brat's name in the casting credits. But who might he be playing? I say this. Who gives a rat's ass? This is the first we're hearing of Benjamin Bratt's casting in Doctor Strange. But his name is right there in the credits of this new Comic-Con poster. Sandwiched between Michael Stolbarg and Scott Atkins. Our favorite duo of actors. You can click the image below for a larger... Why don't I want to click on it? Do I really need to see this? I believe you. No way Benjamin Bratt's in this. you got to be kidding me, man. Benjamin Bratt... The Benjamin Bratt? Are you shitting me? Yeah, guys. The Benjamin Bratt. You are a spoiled brat. The exact order in which the actors are listed probably doesn't have too much bearing on the size or importance of their roles. Tilda Swinton and Mads Mikkelsen are credited last for what that's worth. And as for Michael Stolbarg, the trailers for Doctor Strange haven't even revealed his role yet. Who, who the hell is he? I don't even know who that is. For all we know, he might be playing a sentient wardrobe in the which Benedict Cumberbatch houses his cloaks. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Not... Uh, as some have pointed out, it's possible that Brad is merely providing a voiceover for a CG character. Oh, shut up. Who gives a shit? It's Benjamin Brad. God. Christ. Assholes. Making me read this story. The network's making me read this, guys. I didn't want to. No, the wrong... <laughs> Louder! That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's good stuff. Good stuff, guys. Um, well, I have another story here. And I'm going to go ahead and tease, tease this as an incredible story. But I'm actually delaying uh, is what I'm doing. You guys don't know this. This is a master at work. Uh, I'm pretending to actually be doing something, but I'm actually looking up something. 
You smart. Oh, thank you. I know. Joss Whedon would return to Marvel for a Black Widow movie, he said at San Diego Comic-Con 2016 under his breath, and it gets turned into a big news story for all of the nerd websites. Since stepping away from the cinematic Marvel Universe, Joss Whedon has been pretty upfront about how anxious and exhausted the entire experience left him. He's quit the business. He goes and plays golf now, or frolf, whatever that golf shit is. With uh, the Frisbees, even as recently as a few months ago, Whedon was still giving voice to the feelings of failure he had after the Avengers Age of Ultron opened to a huge backlash from fans. Well, that's an exaggeration. I don't remember that. With Marvel bringing in new talent behind the camera and thinking about the next phase for some of its popular characters, it seemed the door had closed on Whedon and Marvel ever working again who nobody assumed this at least until now at comic-con international oh international gotta we don't know what comic-con is so you gotta add international to that guys so at comic-con international this past weekend ign everyone's go-to source for news spoke with the director about the one movie that could lure him back into the marvel fold unsurprisingly it involves black widow I think that cure. <clears throat> Wait, how does Joss Whedon sound now? Like he's needs a lozenge. But I think that character really is very interesting and very earthbound. Okay, so it's the kind of action that I got to do less of with somebody like Thor or the Vision. When you get into your Superman territory, it's harder to maintain the gritty action that the Russo brothers do so brilliantly. And she's got that kind of thing. And you can really do a spy thriller. Like, really do a good, paranoid Jean Le Carré on crack sort of thing. That would be really fun. Okay. Uh, Whedon has been a fan of the Black Widow character, dating almost as far back as comic books. Right. <laughs> Way back in 2013, we covered an interview with Joss Whedon where he described watching the original Avengers movie with his daughter and his frustration when his daughter described Black Widow and Maria Hill as her favorite characters. And he had no standalone movies to offer her. It shouldn't surprise anyone then that Whedon would be interested in directing the Black Widow movie. While he doesn't frame it as much as a, in his conversation with IGN, there must be a feeling that Whedon has unfinished business with Marvel. If I were him... I would feel like that was my movie to direct. And if Marvel were to give a go-ahead with... Black, oh, this is now the writer just throwing shit out there. Shut up. Just just stop, all right? He's not going to do one. Nobody's even greenlit a Black Widow movie. But, I mean, that would be cool. I, I'm not a hater of Age of Ultron. Is it a flawed film? Yeah. Is it overlong with a lot of junk going on? Yeah. Still a lot of fun, though. It's got some good stuff in there. Joss Whedon, he'll, he'll be back. If I was DC, I'd totally scoop him up. <laughs> Did you guys watch that Wonder Woman trailer from Comic-Con? That was awesome! That was amazing! If I was Marvel, I'd be embarrassed that they're doing the female movie first. And speaking of that... Um, Marvel introduces Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, a film slated for what, 2018? The rumors have been flying for months, but 
now Captain Marvel herself will take to the skies. The latest member of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the first female hero to headline her own solo Marvel movie will be Captain Marvel. I almost said Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel! At Comic-Con 2016 in San Diego, Marvel's Kevin Feige formally introduced Brie Larson, the Oscar-winning star of Room, as the woman to play Carol Danvers on screen. Let's check it out. You know what we should do? If we're actually going to do a big Marvel family photo, we should introduce the newest member of the Marvel family. The newest person joining us, Captain Marvel herself. How cool is that? Carol Danvers has a long and storied history in the comic book Marvel Universe. She first got her powers in the pages of different Marvel comics. The what? <laughs> of different Captain Marvel's comic. The first male hero to carry that name, who was an alien warrior. He came to Earth and became one of its champions. Danvers later adopted the name Ms. Marvel and became a hero in her own right, though she later lost most of her powers in a battle with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Her powers were absorbed by Rogue, but we won't be seeing her in Captain Marvel movie anytime soon. Many years and several more superhero identities later, a repowered Carol Danvers finally claimed the Captain Marvel name of her for her own. In the last couple... God, could they be more complicated? They're not going to do that for the movie. How central the MCU's Carol Danvers will remain up in the air. But Brie Larson is an amazing young actress. It's hard to imagine a better choice. Captain Marvel opens in theaters March 8th, 2019. What? Um, we're going to be waiting a while, guys. <laughs> Why even bother announcing this? Holy crap. But anyway, Wonder Woman comes out much sooner, and DC beat him to the punch with a female heroine movie, which is cool. I don't know if you guys are playing Pokemon Go, but there's these cool little gadgets you have. This little Pokeball clip thing that you press a button. It's been delayed. The release of the Pokemon Go Plus, Nintendo's wearable accessory for Pokemon Go, has been pushed back to September the company announced today on Twitter. Nintendo originally planned to release the Pokemon Go Plus in late July. The game, which is free to play, launched earlier this month. The company did not give a reason for the delay, but an educated guess is that the phenomenal success of Pokemon Go caused Nintendo to take more time to make enough units to meet the demand for the peripheral. While the game is developed by Niantic Labs, Nintendo is producing and distributing the Pokemon Go Plus. The Pokemon Go Plus, which is compatible with both the Android and iOS versions of Pokemon Go, will cost $34.99. It is designed to allow people to play the game without having their smartphone out. The Bluetooth-paced unit, which can be worn as a pin or with a wrist strap, lights up when a Pokemon or Pokestops are nearby. For more details, check out our explainer on the Pokemon Go Plus. So guys... That's this is critical to them to make a shit ton of money. So they got to make sure they have plenty of them in stock because 50 million people are playing this game. And before they lose interest, because they will lose interest, they need to get this Pokemon clip thing out there. 30, 35 bucks a pop, man. They'll be making some cash money off that. Okay. 
Now I want to talk about video game releases for August 2016. And there are some big ones coming out this month, guys. One of them I pre-ordered and I'm excited about. This from Polygon. One of my favorite go-to sites for video game news and snark. They're a little too snarky sometimes, but it's okay. Below are some of the video game releases for the month of August 2016. Be sure to check out the list we put together of our most anticipated games of 2016. No, no, no. I won't be doing that. Okay. First of all, August 2nd, guys. Abzu. Abzu. If you have not watched the trailer for this, go to YouTube right now. Type in Abzu PlayStation 4. Watch the trailer it looks amazing. Okay? Here's what Matt Nava explains. You go there and you have this religious experience under the sea. This transformative, beautiful experience. At the same time, it's extremely frightening and adventurous. There are so many different kinds of emotions together. Serenity and adventure. That was something we wanted to capture. So basically, Abzu is an undersea game. You're deep under the water with all sorts of lush sea life, and it looks gorgeous. And they totally captured serenity and adventure in there. Looks amazing. Um, I would love to play that. But also, Batman the Telltale Series. This is coming to Android, iOS, Mac, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Windows PC, Xbox 360, and the Xbox One. The complex life and fractured psyche of Bruce Wayne has lent itself to become a bold evolution of the signature Telltale role-playing experience, Telltale Games co-founder Kevin Bruner said. Along with the debut trailer, Telltale has announced that the voice actor Troy Baker will be donning the cowl for the Bruce Wayne Batman role. Come on, we know this is going to be really cool. Am I right? Am I right, dude? Okay, next up, on August 3rd, by the way, August 2nd, Abzu in Batman Telltale. August 3rd, Mobius Final Fantasy. Nobody's going to be playing this. They're going to be playing the other games. <laughs> this is on Android and iOS. It's a mobile game. In a gameplay presentation on the game's longtime Final Fantasy series producer, Yoshinori Kitasi shared his thoughts. <laughs> Shut up, Jason. <laughs> it's a Final Fantasy game. Who gives a shit? August 9th. No Man's Sky! That's a game I'm excited about. Hello Games' spiritual successor to Spore. Okay. It's hard to describe, so we'll let the game's creator, Sean Murray, give it a shot. No Man's Sky, uh, Sky's lore was developed with help from a Star Trek and Watchmen writer, Dave Gibbons. The PC version of the game will be released three days later on August 12th. Cross your fingers, it isn't delayed again. God, it better not be. It's going to be on PlayStation 4. No Man's Sky is a space exploration game. You're flying around planets. You're discovering planets, new animal species, all sorts of artifacts and stuff. And then you f can go into the atmosphere. This is the amazing thing about it. You could be in space, fly towards a planet, go through the atmosphere and actually land, get out of your ship and do stuff, discover things, get back in your ship, fly into the atmosphere and fly out. Oh my God. This is a game that I've always wanted to play. This is something I've always imagined when I was a little kid. And when I'm playing this, I might start crying. Hopefully, it's a lot of fun. Hopefully, the exploration aspect is 
they make it easy and not too difficult because I get confused easy. I'm an old man, but, um, I'm really excited about no man's sky. I pre-ordered it and hopefully I get it the day it's launched. Do you guys ever pre-order games like from Amazon and they come the day after? Oh, better not be like that. August 16th bound. That's right. It's a 3d platformer starring a ballerina and it's designed with focus on a narrative to tell a mature story. Watch the trailer to this bound on YouTube. Once again, like Abzu, it looks like art. It looks gorgeous. It's hard to explain it. It's beautiful. (laughs) Grow up a game with a little robot. It's a sequel to grow home. Check that out. Metroid prime Federation force for the Nintendo 3ds. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure people check that out. Deus X. Mankind Divided. Now, I've never played any of the Deus Ex games, but they look awesome, and the new one does. And I wouldn't mind playing it, you know? I'd check that out. And August 30th, Attack on Titan for the PS3, PS4, PlayStation Vita, and Xbox One. Um, That's that thing with those weird giants and stuff, I think. And, of course, World of Warcraft Legion. The newest World of Warcraft expansion. I don't play that, but I'm sure people who do think that's going to be badass. Okay, guys. My top picks for the month of August, of course, No Man's Sky and Abzu and Batman, the Telltale series. And no doubt the Batman thing, it'll be chapter one and you'll play it in a day. That's the thing. That, that's the only thing that I hate about the Telltale games. Is you have to wait one chapter at a time. But it should be worth it. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazeballs, guys, if you want to use that phrase. Okay, I just want to be honest here. I was really, really excited about Jason Bourne. Matt Damon returning to the role. Paul Greengrass directing. But guys, I'm seeing some bad reviews here, and I'm getting scared. I was all pumped up to see this this Friday, and I swear today, I was like, you know, maybe I'll skip it. I don't know. I, I'm bummed out. Now, I've said many times before, just because someone else doesn't like a film doesn't mean I'm not. I trust certain reviewers and others I could give a shit about. But Drew McWeenie, who someone I trust most of the time, gave it a C. And he said that uh, maybe this fourth one is just one time too many. It's the same old shit. You've seen it before. Well, you know, I like that shit. Hey, Credo. I like the Bourne films. Maybe. I love the Jeremy Renner one. I watched that over and over again on HBO. I thought it was really good. Tony Gilroy. Wait, did Tony Gilroy? Let me see something. Please uh, um, excuse me while I type something in the old computer. Let's check this out. Tony Gilroy, just so you know, is the screenwriter for The Born Identity, The Born Supremacy, The Born Ultimatum, Michael Clayton. He wrote State of Play and he wrote the screenplay to The Born Legacy. Also, he gets an uncredited story credit, uncredited story credit, that makes no sense, to Rogue One. 
a Star Wars story. Okay, I'm just going to say right now, this guy's writing Jedi powers are very strong. And he directed The Bourne Legacy and Michael Clayton, by the way. Michael Clayton is a fantastic film. And Bourne Legacy is a blast, okay? But, and in fact, they were going to make, believe it or not, I don't know if anyone remembers this, The Bourne Legacy was going to have a sequel with Jeremy Renner, directed by Justin Lin, who just did Star Trek Beyond. That got canceled because... Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass wanted to return to the franchise. And they're like, holy shit, no, 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 time out. Cancel this shit. We don't need Jeremy Renner. We got Matt Damon back. We don't need Justin Lin. We got Paul Greengrass. So then this film is coming out this Friday and I'm excited about it. But then I see that it's 57% rotten, which again, I will say I bitch about Rotten Tomatoes all the time. It doesn't mean shit, but I will say this. Um... I keep seeing the same thing repeated that the writing isn't strong and it's the same action we've seen before. Now the action that we've seen before is pretty awesome. Especially if you dig that Paul Greengrass shaky cam, but, uh, Bilgy Abiri, I don't know how to say this person's name. There's a greatest hits quality to the movie. Only the band is tired and its heart isn't in it. Yee. Brian Truitt of USA Today said, a by-the-numbers action film that's not nearly as strong as its Damon-led predecessors. Stephen Witte of the Newark Star-Ledger says, if this is the best born this team can deliver after nine years away, maybe it would just be better next time if they forgot the whole thing. Ugh. Michael Scott from The Office? It boasts some nice cast additions. Alicia Vikander, Tommy Lee Jones, Vincent Castle. But everything else about this emotionally vacant installment feels recycled. Peter Canavese of Groucho News says, what the hell is that? Terrified to do anything different, which believe it or not, would be entirely possible. It only takes a moment of awareness to step outside the movie and see how poorly written, insultingly recycled, and anti-creative Jason Bourne is. Holy shit, these are not good reviews, guys. Michael Snydell of the Film Stage says, Simultaneously pretentious, mind-lumbingly tedious, and dizzyingly dizzyingly <laughs> incoherent from scene to scene, Jason Bourne is the definition of diminishing returns. Wow. Again, not a good review. Michael Rothman of Consequence of Sound says the much ballyhooed return of Greengrass and Damon has surprisingly warranted a disappointing sequel. An unnecessary chapter that feels written at gunpoint and the story's curiously transparent about this. Sorry about that. The film revels in its violence, merely mowing down people so as to capture the coolest car chase possible, says Jake Cole of Slant Magazine. Oh, that sounds like a good review to me. <laughs> um, well, there's some good reviews, too, like Katie Walsh. Isn't that an actress? Damon and Greengrass, Abley, write the ship, delivering a born film that looks and feels like the kind that we've always loved. Todd McCarthy of The Hollywood Reporter says, 
Technically and logistically, Greengrass delivers everything you'd expect from him. There's no one better when it comes to staging complex, chaotic action amid the real life of big cities. Okay. Leah Greenblatt of Entertainment Weekly says, Jason Bourne has already given us a hero who transcends two dimensions. We just need to know more about what he's fighting for. Oh, man. Sounds good. So, guys, I will be seeing it on Friday, and I will give my full review next week. Oh, wait, Roger Moore, James Bond says, a big bucks blur that is almost born to be bad. <laughs> oh, man, he's clever. Is he clever, or am I being sarcastic? You be the judge. Mary Ann John- jo- Johansson. <laughs> Mary Ann Johansson says, everything looks great on paper here. Damon's brawny presence, the smartly staged action, etc. And it's not unfun, but it feels less Black Ops than Old Hat. Hey, that's a good review. It's not unfun. Go see it. It's not unfun. Yeah, that's quite an endorsement there. Just out of curiosity, I'm going to see the reviews for The Born. Legacy, the Jeremy Renner movie that which I love, fifty six percent rotten. Wow, I really like that film. Maybe this means nothing. It's twists and turns and nothing else, and Fast and Furious as it may be. If this is the best one smart series had to offer, there's no legacy. Gilroy's a fine writer. He also penned Michael Clayton, but without the discipline of an action veteran like Greengrass to rein him in, he indulges his weakness over to overexplain things. Wow. A fine movie in the end, and that's the problem. It's just fine. The first three Born movies were incredible. I don't know about that. I mean, they're fun. Okay, this doesn't mean anything. Okay, the Born Legacy, 56% rotten. Jason Bourne, 57% rotten. That means it's even better than the movie I actually like. I've just turned it around, guys. I can't wait to see Jason Bourne this Friday. Do you like how I did that? Awesome. I want to thank everyone for listening to this week's episode of Entertainment Landfill News. I enjoyed doing it. I was a little grumpy at first. I just got back from the dentist. Do you guys like going to the dentist? Kind of sucks. But luckily, they didn't find any cavities. You know, I just got a teeth cleaning. That's pretty awesome. But it is awkward when somebody else flosses your teeth for you. Like, when they do all the... They do all the cleaning and it's over. The last thing they do is floss for you. And they're shoving their entire hands into your mouth. It's just kind of like, I could do this myself, you know? (laughs) You just want to say that. It's so uncomfortable. But uh, at least you get a free sample of toothpaste at the end of it and a free toothbrush. It's totally worth it for that. Now, guys, I haven't done this for a while, but um, I want to say that I want to thank all my patrons, the people who support Entertainment Landfill. Um... Without you, it would be hard to muster the nerve to do this show. You really help me motivate myself to do this. I mean, yes, I ask for uh, feedback and that kind of thing. Come on, guys. Tell us what you think. Send us a voicemail. That doesn't happen. I got to be honest with you. Nobody sends voicemails anymore. Nobody sends messages. The fact that there are, co- there are people listening now live really is awesome. Kai and Jim Lewis and somebody else elsewhere is listening. That's awesome. I love that. But the fact that there are patrons really helps me get this done. Like, dude, there's people willing to pay for this shit. I got to keep doing it. 
You know, I haven't missed a week yet. The summer I'm doing the shows every week and it's because of you guys. And I want to thank you. People like Xavier, Ken Preventure, Rob Bickmore, Ross Pony, Jason Swinchok, Jennifer Morris, Steve Steinbach, Rick Lidster. I miss you, Rick. John Waltz, Jenny, Adam Sexton, Carl, Slade Bailey, Brandon, Kelly, B. Sly, Mark Anderson, Swiley, Darren Finlan, Bill Lochner, my dear friend, Mike Metcalf, Brian, Sean Uyoka, Nathena Lewis, Adam Howard, Hodor, and Tom Aresto. Thank you guys so much for being patrons. If anybody's interested in being a patron, go to patreon.com slash landfill. Also, check out the show on nimpodcast.blogspot.com. And if you want, send me some feedback. Tell me what you think of Entertainment Landfill News, what you thought of Ghostbusters, what you're going to think of Jason Bourne. Send me an email at nimpodcast.gmail.com or send a voicemail. I'd love to play some voicemail on the show. That'd be wicked awesome. It'd be a wicked pisser. I, I got nothing. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, uh, guys, I'm really excited to uh, do more shows in the coming future. Oh, and I wanted to just say this. I offered a show, a patron-only show, that I'm testing the waters out. But if people like it, if anybody says anything about it, uh, I want to put it on the main feed. Basically, I've written a book, partly... And, you know, I'm about halfway done and I need to keep going. (laughs) And I decided, hey, why don't I, since I know about podcasting more, I do publishing world or whatever. Why don't I do an audio novel? Each episode is a chapter of the book and I'll read it. Well, I recorded chapter one of the book I'm writing and I made it available to patrons. But if... I'm getting up the nerve to actually release it on the main feed for everybody to listen to. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how many chapters I've written because I write pretty free form and I have to go through and reread it and break it up into chapters. But there's, uh, I'm going to say there's at least eight chapters written that I could record as a show. And what the idea of it is that uh, as I put each episode out, people listen to it and they're like, oh, I want to hear more. And I'm like, oh, shit, I need to keep writing. And it motivates me to keep going, which, you know, my, I like I enjoy writing. My problem is uh, it's hard to <laughs> I'm going to say I'm a big lazy butt, basically, I'm a procrastinator. And Steven, you know, he'll text me, you better be writing. And I'm like, oh, screw you, Steven. I don't have to do that. I get, you know, but if you guys motivate me, I can keep doing this thing. And it's just an idea. I don't know. It's an experiment. But if you guys are interested, let me know. Well, guys, that's the show. Thank you so much. And what are you waiting for? Get out there, play some video games, watch a movie, some TV, and I'll see you next time. Woohoo! You have just listened to the mental breakdown of an American man in his 40s. I hope that it was pleasant to listen to. The Jaystrom's thoughts are his own and I do not take responsibility for his well-being. No one should have that job.
sends this bozo some feedback before he thinks of another idea for a podcast. Peace out. Now this is podcasting.